Welcome to episode 9 of the Super Gym World Podcast. Today, we gaming on the Jumbotron. It also sets this as another year around the sun. Today is my birthday. I'm fucking 30. Thirty revolutions around the sun. That's crazy to think about. But never mind none of that stuff. As we got some things to talk about that's been going down this year in the gaming universe. Um, fuck a top ten list. We're gonna just go down what I would be considering the good side. That I've experienced with gaming this year so far. Um, not going to be mentioning too much of the downsides. Probably do like a little bit of that towards the end. But yeah, we're going to start off big with um, some of my favorite titles from this year. That I've ran through. Um, hundreds of hours poured into a good majority of all of these titles. Um yeah, looking at it right now, yeah, good hundred hundreds of hours between each. Um, and we just gonna start off with the big boy Streets Four. Oh man, Streets of Rage Four. No matter what we had to say before leading up to it, that was all passion, and I do still feel that we are correct about a lot of things that was said um, directly to the developers of Streets of Rage Four, and. I'm pretty sure about good 70% of it fell on deaf ears, but that's neither here nor nor there at this point because the final product was fucking amazing. Streets of Rage 4 came to be its own thing, separate from Streets 2 and 3. Um, I do have love for Streets of Rage 1, but I don't play it professionally. I play 2 professionally. And I would say... Finally hitting 150 hours in Streets of Rage 4, unlocking everybody. Um, I still got like three trophies left to get before I platinum it. And it's just been a really good experience. The music, the stage designs, um, everything being hand-drawn to an extent. And it all just came together in a beautiful package. The the combat, in my opinion, is probably the best in the entire series. Especially now with the, the latest patch that they added. Skate 2 being able to... And when I say Skate 2, you can unlock multiple versions of characters. So you can get Skate from Streets of Rage 2 and Skate from 3. So you got Skate from Streets of Rage 3 being able to have multiple hits on his Blitz, blitz attack. But Skate from Streets of Rage 2 only has one hit. But he has the added bonus of being able to flip and throw enemies into walls bounce them off walls and he can blitz attack them again in midair before they hit the ground it'll also do double damage if you stack on that with skate so if you throw them into a wall they bounce and you hit them again when they hit the ground they still haven't received the damage from the initial throw so they'll be able to get extra damage just by doing that in a combo the bounce 
combo, combo mechanics. Blaze, Blaze Streets of Rage 4, her, her frontal blitz attack can attack enemies on the ground and pop them back up. So she can literally, she had an infinite combo that was very easy to do before patch. And they patched that out already, but she still is an extremely efficient monster combo-wise in that new engine. But enough on that. Streets of Rage 4, top of my list right now. Still playing it every day or just whenever I get a chance to. But it is an experience to behold. Streets of Rage 4 is an experience to behold. Very happy I got to be alive to witness and play through it and continue to play through it. I know they're going to be adding stuff unless we're going to be getting a random Streets 5 out of nowhere. They've kind of gone radio silent with what they're doing in the background with it. I think that the team is working on Windjammers 2 and some other shit, but Streets 4 is lit. Very lit. Happy to see where it has gone and where it's going to go. Um, next on the list, and I spoke about this extensively a few episodes back, Ghost of Tsushima. King Jin Sakai. King Jin Sakai is the GOAT. One of my favorite characters from a new IP to come out this year. People try to talk about his personality, that he wasn't what they wanted him to be. But in, instead of taking him for what he is and who he is as a character, the performances in both English and Japanese is something that is not a lot of characters that can top that man's style because the gameplay comes from your own skill and ability. But if you're playing it on the lethal difficulty and you're completely immersed in the world with Jin Sakai, his skill set along with his personality outshines anything anybody talking about because Jin can go from being emotionally distressed in a cutscene about something and determined to finish something but then when it switch back to gameplay you can feel the determination in the controls you can feel it in the gameplay along with witnessing how he's going through whatever he's going through when you hop in that gameplay you can feel it through the gameplay you can feel his emotion just by leveling up and gaining more abilities through the story. That shit is executed otherworldly. Ghost of Tsushima is executed otherworldly. Very, very engrossing game. And then they gave us multiplayer for free? Legends mode is so sick. And I've been procrastinating playing it just because other shit just been popping up. Me and my homie supposed to have been, been running it to unlock all these characters. Probably going to do it today. But Ghost of Tsushima. Big dogs. Big dogs. Status. Jen is forever one of the homies. Period. He's forever one of the homies. Next on the list. Um, I had Paper Mario down here. But I want to go into that deeper. So I'm actually going to swap this out for Doom Eternal for right now. Doom Eternal. I ran through that live on this channel and I ran it on Twitch and, and Facebook as well but having a new Doom come out with such drastically different mechanics heightened danger 
the weapons are more akin to Doom 2 in the style in Doom 64 having that gunplay be refined to that level to where the story actually is even on a higher of an important scale here you have all of these mechanics working together to where now the hardest difficulty you can compare the gameplay to chess because you have so many different kind of enemies coming at you but certain weapons are only effective against certain enemies so you know how to pull out with the machine gun with the rocket attachments on the side you see these dudes that put up barriers around everything you're going to use your room that allows you to slow down time so you just do a quick hop hit space bar bow quick hop hold down the right right click that's going to give you a slight slow motion and you just pile those headshots on with them rockets from there switch to your double shotgun which has your meat hook you claw through it jump over it activate slow-mo one more time flame belch everything over there get your armor back because you know you took damage and then while you getting that armor back that's when you just start unloading rounds at everything that's vulnerable around you Doom Eternal is crazy and it deserves to be on this list 100% and Last of Us 2 did, did get released this year that did get released that came out this year Black Ops Cold War one of the best campaigns in the entire Call of Duty series and the entire franchise that is now being marred by the multiplayer I hope they do fix a lot of the glitches. I haven't touched season one that much. We played a little bit in the past few days, but that that I played through the campaign on the hardest difficulty. Can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but the hardest difficulty in Black Ops Cold where I ran through it, it wasn't hard. It was only about eight hours. It won't hard, but it was enjoyable. And a lot of surprises psychologically that they threw in there too that was really cool. But um, I think multiplayer-wise, the mechanics of Modern Warfare from last year is still stronger. But Black Ops just got a different energy to it. I can't even put my finger on it, but it just got a different energy to it that I like more. And I always liked the Black Ops series more than the Modern Warfare. But here, Modern Warfare seems to be stronger multiplayer-wise, along with Warzone. I don't play Warzone too much fucking space. 180 gigabytes for a mode, my nigga. I'm good. But off of that, off of Call of Duty, we're going to swing it back to Paper Mario real quick. The Origami King. I have not smiled as much as Paper Mario made me smile this year. Put 30 hours in. Just ran through the story. Made sure I was powerful in the RPG mechanics. Solved as many puzzles as I came across. They also got a Korok Seed Breath of the Wild style situation where you got to find all of the toads around the world. And they in the most random places like there was six toads in a popcorn maker machine. And then that toad turned the machine on and was like, you want some popcorn, Mario? Mario was like, cool. That toad hit the button. Six toads pop out the machine in a row 
saying thank you and they don't know how they got in there. But they said they're going to keep it popping. The game's hilarious. It is hilarious. The gameplay is actually fun. It's beautiful. The graphics are beautiful in that game. You got the, the, the origami aesthetic where things are actually already made out of paper and Paper Mario. But then they take it a step further by bringing in the origami and then real life things like there's a stapler boss, a hole puncher boss. There was a boss that was literally some scissors. The game is weird, but it is amazing. They snapped on Paper Mario. I love that game. That deserves all of the praise, and everybody needs to play through it at least once. Just so you can get back a sense of just human compassion. Paper Mario puts that there. It puts human compassion in a big-ass window and makes you play through it. It's, it's, a, it's such a cool game. I love it. Love Paper Mario. Um, we're going to get into some VR shit real quick. Because I ain't seen nobody say nothing about these this year. And that's why I don't listen to y'all niggas. This is why I barely listen to y'all niggas. Because don't nobody talk about the things that are actually pushing the industry forward. Boneworks. What the hell are y'all even playing if y'all ain't talking about Boneworks in VR? Fuck the quest. In VR in general, there are other headsets that exist. You are not even batting an eye at Boneworks. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Because there exists no other game that gives you the sense of... It's not even like a power fantasy style thing. You are a program inside of a big ass... You, you're basically just infiltrating this, this, this network that is overtaken by viruses. When you get in there to eliminate the viruses, you realize there are portals ripped open to a whole bunch of other realities. And shit's leaking in. Just leaking in everywhere. So if you got these leaks going on, you got these zombies, you got enemies that look exactly like you, holograms that have actual guns that are shooting back at you, and what's your retaliation? More guns, more acrobatics, more bullet time. And with the added benefit of VR, of having these be your controllers, when you're able to have these be your controllers, this gives you full arm movement. So you got your buttons, right? Got your buttons on there. So you see your buttons and your joysticks. You got two joysticks. Then you got grip and triggers. So your grips, you got four guns. You got four slots for weapons. You got your, your hips and your left and right shoulder over your back. I play in the arena mode. I've already ran through the story, completed everything that's been available, and they drop in a new update tomorrow that's adding more physics-based craziness to it. And so far, the DLC has been free. The game's only $30. Outside of VR, let's just say fuck VR as an entirety. As a video game, this is the best game to come out this year. Boneworks is the best game to be released in 2020. You have access to limitless combat potential based off of your own intuition. 
you got five or six enemies coming up towards you. In a regular game, you just gotta pull out your weapon, fire, 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 try to hit as many headshots as possible, or melee, right? In Boneworks, we pulling out twin pistols and I'm jumping 10 feet in the air, slow motion, headshot both the two on the outside, come down on the top, bashing heads, grabbing somebody and throwing them clear across the room because you can. And it's a workout the entire time. If it's a workout, plus you actually are immersed in the game, you no longer sitting on your ass just with a controller. You're in the game physically. Add another layer. It's another game, Blade and Sorcery. This one came out, I think, a few years ago. And it has evolved along with VR headsets over time and the technology that's there. Like this last update, 8.4, has completely fixed their performance issues. It doesn't chug along anymore. It actually has really good, stable performance now, even with mods. Name a game to where I can have a Master Sword. Wolverine's Claws, a Keyblade, a Lawn Chair, and a lightsaber from every fucking Jedi or Sith known to man. All for combat purposes. Name one game that will allow you to do that. In endless waves of enemies. Endless waves, customizable waves of different types of enemies, depending on what weapons they're holding, to if they come out with armor on. And it's customizable to your experience. And just like Boneworks, the physicality, the physicality of actually being in-game to where you can throw up, you can get ready for whatever is about to impact you and react and respond physically. And you use your buttons to move around and to position yourself. But when it comes to these hands, that's on you. That's on you. And there's a couple other really good boxing games as well, such as Creed, um, Thriller to Fight. There's a lot of good, the good hand-to-hand combat games. And I think the two, in my opinion, that are the best when it comes to physics and just sheer endless possibilities of combat, Boneworks and Blade and Sorcery are the top two when it comes to that. There, there exists no other game that can touch them two. In my personal opinion and in my professional opinion, there are no other games that can touch them two that are out on the market right now. Ones that folks that are plebs like to bring up in VR that they consider is the best is Half-Life Alex. Half-Life Alex is cool. To me, it's only cool. It's, it's a good show of faith from Valve that they support VR. That's just like, okay, we can take these mechanics and move it here, but simple fact, I can't run up to an enemy and knock his shit loose. Not my favorite. I do love guns in the sense of being able to like manually reload like you actually gotta use the weapons to reload or you get like me and you buy one of these 
for even more VR weapon games such as what's it called Zero Caliber and Pavlov Zero Caliber and Pavlov uses gun stocks and onward as well so get virtual gun stocks and then this literally allows you to pop these bad boys in they're just little little clips 3d printed the entire thing is 3d printed big magnets big magnets and then once those bad boys are locked in you got weapons and what this will allow you to do is to hold your gun in real life like this so if you're rocking the m4s or any kind of rifles in games sniper rifles included this will allow you to gain stability in game and actually train your brain in real life with weapons so when it comes to how much vr has advanced with gunplay and gameplay like there's literal real life enhancements like that's not a controller that's just a 3d printed stock with with magnets you got 3d printed stock with magnets that's like in game i'm immersed like it feels like you're holding an actual rifle with one-to-one -one aiming shit's different and half-life alex you can't use a stock because all guns are one-handed and I think like when you hover your hand next to the other one, it'll, it'll grab one, but your right hand is allocated to your health. You can turn your hand like this. You see your health on your hand. You can grab the syringe, uh, grab grenades out of your thing, but you can't like throw your gun to your other hand like in bone works and do tricks where you punch a dude in the air, but he's still alive and with your left hand and then your right hand come up with a pistol and let his head shot have something. You can't do that in Half-Life Alex. So it's like the world is cool, it looks beautiful, but the mechanics of Half-Life Alex is limited as fuck. The actual mechanics are limited as fuck. You just got gunplay and grenades, that's really it. So it's like a standard first-person shooter in VR. That's what Half-Life Alex is. Boneworks is literally a it's, a, it's another evolution of what first-person shooters can be because you can dual-wield M4s. Now, you got to, like, drop one to accurately reload. You need two hands to reload. But if you're telling me I can just brandish two fully loaded 30-shot M4s, both of them cocked back, I can jump back, jump off a wall, jump to the side on some main back's pain shit, and let them both go, drop, drop one, drop the clip in my right hand, reload, lock that back and then continue firing instantly that's an option and boneworks gives you that without even explaining the shit it's just like these are two guns grab them and do what you do and the flip side to the limiting of half-life alex's gameplay is population one to where that limitation is actually very good so Population One is a battle royale first person VR game that does not allow you to drop clips on the floor, 
throw guns. It doesn't allow you to do things like that. The gun is in your right hand and you can aim and move it. Now I do wish you could hold another gun in your right hand, I mean in your left hand, but that's perfectly fine. I think they let you do left or right depending on how you have the option set up. So if you're left or right handed. But what's really good about Population 1 since it's online, everybody has the same controls, so you know that if you're in a firefight with somebody, they got the same mechanics you got. So you have the ability to climb all surfaces, including really tall buildings that work all this out. All this, all, all, all this, the, 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 the quads, all, all of the shoulders all back up in here, be tight when you're done. All this, all that, all, all of this on fire because you're climbing. You're doing this in each match, let's say it's 30 minutes. If you actually getting kills and staying alive and playing how you supposed to be playing, the team's on point, everybody communicating, you climbing shit. Or you creating a thing and you, you're able to hold yourself, look over something, and let something fly. Poke down, duck shot, let it fly. Like you have that kind of option with mechanics, but to reload. You can right click your stick, that'll drop the clip out, but it's highlighted in yellow, and you got your um, your actual stock here. So if you clap in the magazine, pull back on the hammer, you instantly got a reloaded weapon. So I mean, you by this, that quick motion right there, you got a reloaded weapon. So that is the main thing to stay abreast to is how fast can you reload in a firefight when someone's on your ass. Each gun got its own reloading mechanics, so you just got to know what's the different reloading mechanics, how can I take cover accurately from someone who's holding a high position, and when you jump off of something, you hold your arms out and you glide. You can fly like an eagle, baby. Fly like an eagle. And it's exhilarating in VR because you get full view to look around shit. So if you got goons coming at you from your from your upper left from behind you, you can literally be on the run or flying, turn around and see where you're coming from, engage yourself by physically looking and judging your moves. That's where that added bonus of VR comes in that elevates a regular game beyond a regular game. Like, let's take this as other first-person shooters. It's called Compound. Compound is a Doom-style roguelike. So it's a first-person shooter. You have a majority of weapons that you can get, um, including a bow and arrow. And if you decide to go with the, they call it the Compound Bow. If you get the bow, you can't pick up no guns. So it's just straight bow and arrow action for the entire time. That bow and arrow have all this on flex. All that be tight, all this be snapped the fuck up because you sitting there doing this for hours. You get one life. On the hardest difficulty, you get three hits. There are six stages and each stage has come with two levels. So you got to make it through the entire thing in one life. It is hard as fuck. There's no jump. There's no scaling. 
it's just a first person shooter in VR on Doom shit. So you gotta think about what's going on there. So you got your Quake style movement to where you can duck back and forth and the camera kind of like slides with you. But then at the same time, you are the camera. So if you see shots coming in, you using your stick to keep your feet moving, but then you physically getting the fuck out the way. You getting out the way of everything. You, you big dodging, big dodging. You getting out of the way. You getting the fuck out the way. You can do all that in compound. And I think that's where the big difference of first-person shooters being added in VR plays a big role because Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk is a great first-person game. I don't want to say shooter, even though shooting is the big thing of it, but since the RPG mechanics are overlaid on top of that, <clears throat> you can have guns that are not powerful enough to kill everybody. You may have to run if you're not strong enough. And if that's the case, there are other mechanics that can either help you get out of a pinch really quick. You can use different mechanics to completely change the battlefield. So if you're on a battlefield and you're, let's say your your guns, you ain't level up your gunplay, <clears throat> but you got your hacks leveled up. So you're going more of a net runner path. You then can slow down time, look around. Once you lock on an enemy, a camera, or something that's connected to the local network of that area, you can have the damage that's necessary to kill all the enemies connected to that network, then run in and just try to lay down headshots and clear the entire um, camp out. But um, imagine doing all of that in VR. So when it comes to the mechanics being pulled off, and yeah, we got this program called Vorpex, and Vorpex will allow you to do these things with ease. It brings VR to non-VR games. This is where my brain is at the moment, is trying to get the mechanics of Boneworks and Blade and Sorcery and I'll even throw in Half-Life Alex and Pop 1 into games like Cyberpunk because if you have that extra level of freedom of movement that's instantly going to bring along immersion especially if your system can run it um, I tested this with Titanfall 2 as well and I, just, I think that's the last uploaded video on this channel aside from the live streams but yeah, the, like the test I ran with Titanfall 2, the fact that you can use looking around as aiming, but I turn that sensitivity down and use a controller. Maybe. So that way you can sit back, have your controller, your left stick be for movement, right stick still aiming, but instead of using it to full blown aim, you just using the right stick to turn left and right and fine tuning the aiming with your headset by where you look at. So then this puts you in the world and you're able to fully look around and see everything around you in real time. In full 3D and VR. 
Now, I don't have the most powerful system. But my specs on my PC has shown me that one, to acquire a lot of these cool things we see performance-wise does not require thousands of dollars. More realistically, seven to eight hundred dollars. That's the realistic sweet spot of getting a computer that can run games with great performance for years. <clears throat> now, upgrades are important. Like I have two NVMB hard drives, two SSD, and two standard SATA hard drives. All of my games are on the NVMe and SSDs, including my Windows installation, and <clears throat> my music and movie files are on the regular hard drives. <laughs> the games load with snappiness. Snappiness, they're accurate. I don't drop too many frames unless like my graphics card, I got a 1060, six gigabyte overclock. And that card is able to push Cyberpunk 1080p medium settings 45 to 56, um, 45 to 50 to 60 frames. Giving you situation. Giving you situation. And there's just a lot of things like my VR experience on PC has proved that I don't even need to like upgrade my card unless I just need that overhead to go to 4K in the headset and just being able to lock more games at 90 frames. If I can just lock more games at a very clear resolution <clears throat> with the refresh rate still being OP, you won't get new kind of problems out of me at all. And going from there, talking about problems, I want to talk about control. I love Control to death. I think Control is one of the games that got shafted by not incompetence. Yeah, no, incompetent publishers. That's the who the 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 devs of Control are perfectly fine. Y'all niggas are innocent. Y'all didn't do this shit. But Control <clears throat> brought a very big problem to my mind that I didn't think about before with how this next generation is going to be handled. <clears throat> so, Control released last year. That's number one. Control released a year ago. And it was on the Epic Store at first. A year exclusive to the Epic Store. For what reason? Money. Now, with Control being an exclusive to the Epic Store, it gets released this year on Steam. Comes out on Steam as the definitive edition. Now, this just has all the DLC packed in. I believe it was 40 bucks. <clears throat> and with it being 40 bucks, there was no problem for me. I hit the button. On console, this is where this, this gets ugly. You got control on console. PS4, PS4 Pro, Xbox One, S, and X. <clears throat> You bought it on them the day it came out. You got regular control. Let's say you just bought all the DLC when it came out. Bow. You got all the DLC in separate packages. If you want to play that on 
the PS5 or the Xbox Series S or X, you got to buy that definitive edition. Now, remember, I told you it came out last year on Epic. On PC, there is no actual difference between the versions. The version they released on Steam is quote-unquote called the definitive edition. But I still got my original um, EXE <clears throat> when it came out on Epic Store. Looked at the files. Nigga, they the exact same. Even down to the actual version of the game, they're the exact same. So on console, you meaning to tell me when they load up the PS4 version of Control on a PS5, it should just ask you, do you want to play the 4 or the 5 version? But if you own the original Control, not the Definitive Edition, it's not going to do that. They're locking that that that, that paywall to get the next generation version behind the Definitive Edition. Think about that for a minute. Just think about that. And while you think about that, let's put the flip side into play. <clears throat> emulation. The growth in emulation this year We got Ocarina Online. We got Mischief Makers Online. We got Majora's Mask Online. We got Mario 64 Online. And not just like online like the old school Calera Network where <clears throat> we all loading up the same ROM and then joining the server and we're emulating couch co-op. Nah. I'm talking like full live online community inside of the game everybody playing the shit at the same time and, and running on quest in Ocarina of Time's Hyrule and these specific games like they actually created online hubs in the game online servers in the game outside <clears throat> of you just hitting up your friend, but yo, you need this specific ROM, you need this specific thing, you just send them this setup guide, bow. Everybody set up with their own specific mods, their own skins. I'm talking, I'm running around with Glover, nigga, from 64. Glover in Ocarina of Time. Full voice packs, everything. That should be streamed to this page as well if you want to go take a look. I'll try to see if I can get it to go on the, the title card up here. But it's like, yo, why is that possible? <clears throat> Step further. I'm able to play GameCube and Wii games in full VR with zero loss of performance sometimes. <laughs> now, yeah, there's still graphical glitches because you're basically putting yourself <clears throat> as an extra camera in game. So, which means that you're looking at the action from another perspective in full 3D in full VR so you got on, you got the actual textures and geometry popping out at you but then you can also lean up and look around the textures 
and look around the shit like it's actually there. Like you can look around things in 3D VR space. And this is GameCube games. This is Wii games. Which also means not just Wii and not just GameCube games. If you catch my drift. All of these games I talked about today. Boneworks is my number one. Streets of Rage 4 is my number one. <coughs> Ghost of Tsushima is my number one. Paper Mario, The Origami King is my number one. Emulation is my number one. All of these games are game of the year. That's my list. And I want to play all of these games on a Jumbotron. Who says I can't? I'm doing it this year. All of these titles on a Jumbotron. Including Streets of Rage 2 <clears throat> and Sonic Mania, nigga. I mean, my main thought about the entirety of a lot of this craziness is this is supposed to be a podcast, right? But I'm just giving you game while talking about games. <laughs> 